0: Amen.
1: Well, good morning, Southview Baptist. How are we? Good All right. Welcome, welcome. Glad that you are here today. For those of you that are new, my name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview. It's so good to have you with us. If you are a guest, we'd love to connect with you. Best way you can do that right now is to pull out your cell phone and simply text the word CONNECT to the number on the screen. 910-424-1298. Just text CONNECT there. Uh, so that we can know a little bit of information about you uh, and how we can minister to you in the best way possible. But while you're here today, for all of our folk, there are three big announcements I want you to know, okay? Three big things going on here at Southview that I think you should be interested in. Number one is this. On February, uh, February 21st, we're going to have a baptism class. We're going to do our baptism on March 7th. It's going to be our first for the quarter here, our first quarter of baptism here at Southview. If you are ready for baptism, you believe by faith in Christ, you're ready to step forward in baptism. It's going to be on March 7th, and the class for that is going to be on February 21st. We just kind of talk through baptism, what it means, why we do it. If you'd like to sign up for that, just text the word BAPTISM to our number, 910-424-1298. That'll get you signed up for that, all right? Class, February 21st, BAPTISM, March 7th. Also, in March... On March 6th, we're going to have a ladies' breakfast. So circle that in your calendar, ladies. March 6th, ladies' breakfast. Come here on a Saturday morning. March 6th, hang out, get some good food, meet some more ladies around here. So put that on the calendar. We'll get you signing up for that shortly. And then also on March 13th, we're going to have a missions dinner uh, fundraiser for our missions ministry here at southview we care a lot about missions seeing the gospel go to the ends of the earth we're going to talk about that a little bit today and this is something we do every spring to help fund that opportunity for us so that's going to be on march 13th again circle your calendar for that so you'd uh, be ready to come we're going to serve you the best fried chicken you've ever had in your entire life guaranteed and i'm baptist and that means a lot what i'm saying right now okay Best fried chicken you've ever had in your life, and we're going to raise a lot of money to see uh, the gospel go to the ends of the earth through the people right here at Southview. So super, super excited about that. And also, any other announcements that we have going on here, anything else that we're doing, download the Southview Baptist Church app. That'll give you all the announcements, so you'll know everything that's going on, how to get plugged in and connected here at Southview. Uh, But I want to read a scripture to you. It's found in the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Uh, listen to what the Apostle Paul says to this church. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Look again. Let's let's see what he's saying there. Look again at verse 12. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. So he's asking that God would empower you to love everyone, specifically in this room, one another. He's talking to a church. This is a letter being read to this church in the worship time. And so he's saying we're asking that God would empower you to love one another. Why? Verse 13. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what he means. Ready? God has a predetermined means to grow you in the faith, grow you in holiness, and make you pure in Jesus Christ. You know what that is? Look around the room. Everyone look to your right. Everyone look to your left. Everyone look around behind you, in front of you. That crazy person (laughs) is that person Is the tool God has placed in your life to make you more like Jesus. So here's what this means. You ready? This is why being involved in church has to be, we say this all the time, has to be more than you showing up and sitting in this room for an hour-ish depending on how long I talk. Has to be more than that. You can't engage with anybody else in this room in a deep enough fashion to make you more like Jesus sitting in here for this hour. That's why you've got to be plugged into the body. You've got to be... One of the main ways we do that is through our journey groups. Download the church app. Go to the Find a Journey Group tab and pick a group. That's our small group ministry. The journey groups, we call them journey groups because we journey through life together pointing each other to Jesus. Are you allowing this church to do in you what God's preordained plan for this church to be for you is that we would help you look more like Jesus that's my prayer for you, that's exactly what you'll make this year you're going to allow the people around you in this room to be a part of your life to help make you look more like Jesus so if I just ask to bow your heads just for a moment We're going to start doing that right here, right now. And how we're going to start that is by worshiping together. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. As you're singing loudly, you encourage other people around you to sing loudly. You're helping one another look more like you. In all of this, if someone comes to your mind, you want to slip over and pray for them, go do that. If if you want to come to the altar and pray for someone that comes to your heart, do that. If you feel like you have an encouraging word, go share that with them. God brings a face to your mind and a scripture. They're supposed to hear that. Go tell them. And while we're in this place right here, it's not just you sitting there while the people on stage do things for you. This is an opportunity for you right here, right now. To engage with this body, let's help make one another look more like Jesus. So Lord, I pray that's exactly what will happen here. God, we won't just sing songs. We won't just read words off a screen. We won't even just sit quietly with our Bibles in our laps listening to a sermon. But God, we will always be looking for opportunities to engage with one another and help one another grow and mature and look more like you, Jesus pray, God, that we are engaged and interacting and involved with one another's lives and seeing much glory and honor be given to you. Thank you, Jesus. Empower us as we worship you. In your name, Lord. Amen. Let's sing. Let's let's stand and sing and worship together. Good morning, church.
0: Let's celebrate the God of the universe. shirts.
1: as you're seated we want to transition in to a a time of corporate prayer and praying for one another and as Jesus teaches us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6 he begins it by saying pray like this our father who is in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Jesus begins his prayer time focusing on who God is, I think one of the things that causes some unfruitfulness and a little frustration in our prayers is when we focus first on us. Um, now, there's a time for us to present our request to the Lord, obviously, but, but that's not how it's supposed to start. Uh, and, and with this kind of idea, knowing who God is, knowing who the God is that you're praying to, changes how you pray. This is why Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, the Apostle Paul is telling the church in Ephesus what he's praying for them. And listen to what he says. Here's his main prayer for them. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Paul knew the most important thing he could pray for this church is that they would see who God truly is. And if they see who God truly is, they're going to be driven in praise and worship in pursuit of him. Uh, the key to you having a fruitful prayer life isn't just learning a better prayer method. It's having the eyes of your heart open to see the God of whom you're, you're, who you're praying to. And it completely changes everything. The, the key to us having an empowered and spirit-filled worship time isn't us playing your jam right it's it's you having your eyes open to the god we're praising and that empowers your your praise to him even when we jump into the word here the the key to you getting the most out of the word isn't just me doing a good job teaching it it's you having the eyes of your hearts open to see the god that these scriptures speak of and point us to so I want to take some time this morning, and, and I want us to have a corporate prayer time, and, and I want to do it in this way. I want you to, we're going, we're going to take some time, we're going to pray this very thing, what the Apostle Paul prayed, that the eyes of our hearts would be open, that, it, that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, and the knowledge of Him, who He really is, having the eyes of our hearts enlightened, opened, to see God for all that He is and who He truly is. And so how I want to do that this morning is this. I want you to pick somebody else in this room to pray for you're not going to go to them you're not going to tell them that you're praying for them but i want you to pick somebody in this room and you are going to pray for them right maybe it's someone you came with maybe it's someone you know maybe you don't know maybe you don't know anyone you're a visitor here then just go third row red shirt whatever but i want you to pray this prayer over someone else in this room That God would open up the eyes of their hearts. That God would impart to them a spirit of revelation and wisdom and the knowledge of who he is. That that their spiritual eyes would be open to truly see God. So if you just bow your heads for a moment. Get somebody in your mind. Who are you praying for? I've got someone. You get someone. Who are you praying for? Take just a minute. Take them before the throne room of heaven. And ask that God would be so gracious as to do this in them. I I, I just join in the prayers that have been lifted up in this room right now. The most important thing for anyone in this room is that we would have our spiritual eyes open to see even greater who you truly are. So I pray, God, that's exactly what you'll do. You'll answer these prayers. Holy Spirit, you will do your work. You will reveal yourself. You will make much of who you are, Lord. You would allow us to see you even greater who you are. and Grow deeper and deeper and deeper in love with you. Grant us today the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who you are. And open up the eyes of our hearts that we may be enlightened to see you. And to go running after you pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hey, if you've got a Bible, uh, find the book of Acts. We're going to be doing that for a little while. Acts. Uh, also, if you have your phone or a tablet, you can open up the Southview Baptist Church app. You will see all the sermon notes there and be able to follow along if you'd like to do that as well. Take your notes so you can keep them. So we're going to start in the book of Acts, and the reason we're doing that is... Um, Well, it's multifaceted. Um, So, I truly believe 2020 and all the craziness that went on with it. Ten years from now, we're going to look back at 2020 for Southview Baptist Church. And we're going to say that was the most important year we've ever had as a church. I think 2020 and what it did created an opportunity for us. So I became your pastor January of 2019. We went through 2019, I mean, just blowing and going. We, were, we, we added around 100 people through membership. Uh, every Sunday we'd show up. New families were just here. Uh, we didn't even know why you were here. Most of you didn't even know why you were here. I literally can't count the amount of times I talked to someone and said, so what brought you? And he said, I literally don't know. I was driving past to go to another church, and we just swung in. Like, I don't even know. Um, God was just bringing people. And so, 2019, we are trucking. We are running out of space fast. We're already having internal conversations about, all right, adding a third service. What do we need to do? Where do we put all these kids? What staff do we need to add? Like, this is getting, this, if 2020 goes like 2019, we are going to reach critical mass very quickly. So, we're having all those conversations, thinking through all that stuff. 2020 comes along, right? January's great, February's awesome. And then Thursday, March 12th, I dropped my children off at school on Thursday, March 12th. I'm driving into the office. It's about 8.03. Pastor Scott calls me and says, you think we should think through this whole coronavirus thing? And my immediate response to him was, why? I mean, that's a New York problem, right? San Francisco, that's not going to touch here. By noon, the world was closed down. I mean that you remember that went fast. And, and so, with all of that, we did not have any on sites anything for about three months. We didn't meet in person for worship service for about twelve weeks. And then when we started it back, it was different and weird, and and it, it still to this day. I mean, it's just it's it's just different. We're, we're at about 50% of what we were running pre-COVID. is where we are. Uh, Pre-COVID, if you count every man, woman, and child that came on a weekend, we were around 750. Uh, now we're around 350. 75, 350, 375, you throw in all the kids and everything. Um, so, uh, so we're about 50-ish percent of what we were pre-COVID. Uh, and so at first it was, it was, oh my goodness, this is a problem, right? This is bad. We've got we to gotta figure out a way to get back to normal. This isn't good. And then in the midst of all that, God just really began to kind of speak to my heart and, and correct me on some things and rebuke me on some things and point out some things in my own heart, which is always fun. Um, I say that with tongue firmly planted in cheek, but anyway. Um, and in the process, what God showed me was this. I'm not entirely sure the growth we had in 2019 was good. Not that it was bad. We're glad you're here. But as we look back on it, what we realized was this. We grew mainly because we do a really good Sunday morning. And we're basically the only Baptist church between Grace Creek and Fayetteville with a band. And so people were just showing up. We we're like, wow, that's great. And so we just kept growing and growing and growing. And then eventually you grow because you're growing. It just kind of starts. And what we realized was this. Maybe this is an opportunity from God for us to take a step back and say, okay, are, are we really, are we doing church, quote-unquote, the way that God would desire us to do church? Uh, there's a Greek word in the New Testament for church. It's ekklesia. The Greek word ekklesia uh, literally means a someone called out of one group, placed into another for the purpose of a mission, right? It's a called out group. And this is the way God describes his church. They are the ecclesia. We are called out from our sin in the world. We are placed into the family of God for the purpose of pursuing and pushing forward the mission of God, right? This is his ecclesia, his called out ones. However, our English word for church is different. Our English word for church comes from a German word, kirk. And the German word kirk literally means a sacred place you show up for a minister to perform religious activity for you. You see the difference? God's plan for us, his Ecclesia, was that we would be a called out group of people passionately pursuing Jesus and his mission. And what we turned it into was a place in which we go that people we pay do religious things for us. And this isn't something unique to Southview. This is really true across Christianity as a whole. But as you look at it, you realize that's not God's intention. And so what I want us to do is we're going to take some time to work through the book of Acts. And we're going to study the book of Acts. Uh, So there are two groups of people that seem to study history a lot. Scholars and soldiers. Scholars study history because they just want to know what happened to learn what happened. Soldiers study history because they want to learn what happened in order to pursue the mission better in the future. Does that make sense? Right? They study what happened so that they can pursue the mission even better going forward. We want to study acts like soldiers. We want to look at the early history of the church. We want to see what they did. and We want to see how does this impact us to pursue the mission of Christ better. Am I tracking with you? Does that make sense? So, we want to start today very simply laying out the understanding that you have indeed been called to a mission. A mission has been placed in front of you. A mission has been placed in front of us, and we are called to pursue it. So let's jump in Acts chapter 1. We're going to jump into verse 1, all right? Acts 1, verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commandments through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So it says in his first book, so there are two books actually written by the author of Acts, Luke. Luke wrote the book of Acts. Anyone want to guess what other book Luke wrote? Luke, right? It wasn't hard. The the questions just get harder from here. i got to be honest with you, okay? Right, so Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. It's a two-part set. all right. So the first part, he's, just, he's talking through the life, ministry, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then in the book of Acts, he's going to be talking about the birth of the church and the expansion of the church. He says he's writing to a man named Theophilus. We have really no idea who this guy is. The name Theophilus means lover of God. So this is someone who apparently is desiring to know the Lord, and Luke is helping him in doing that. He's writing all this and giving it to him as as an understanding of here's who Jesus is, here's what he does, here's what he did, and then here's the people of Jesus and what they're now doing. And it's interesting, just real quick, I want you to see in verse 1. It says, um, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. I love that. So the book of Luke is talking about what Jesus began to do, but Acts is talking about what Jesus continues to do. And here's the difference. Here's what all this means. Jesus is still doing his work. He's just now doing it through us. The mission, the work of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus has not ended. He came to work to accomplish what needed to be accomplished. He ascended up into heaven. We'll see that in just a moment. But his work, his ministry, his mission is still pushing forward. And we are the ones who seek to do it. Luke is about what Jesus began to do. Acts and moving forward us is about what Jesus is still doing. We are called into a greater mission. Anybody remember the movie The Invisible Man? They came out with a new one uh, a year or so ago. So the invisible man, you can't see him. Unless he gets clothed, right, he puts a coat on, and there you can see him. Or I think in the new one, they throw paint on him, and boom, there he is. Jesus, in his work, his Holy Spirit, is invisible. We are the ones who clothe the work of Jesus and are able to see it in this physical world today. Jesus is still doing his work, and we're called to be a part of that. Verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit coming. He says, go to Jerusalem, wait, the Spirit's going to come. John the Baptist uh, uh, prophesied about this. Uh, you see Jesus speaking to his people in the Gospel of Luke, to his disciples about this. You're going to be clothed with power from on high. He's saying the Holy Spirit's going to come, go to Jerusalem and wait. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So they're immediately, it's, it's interesting. It's good to know that, that Christians haven't changed a ton. Um, so Jesus says, I want you to go be about my mission. Yeah, that's great. So can we talk through some end time stuff? That would be awesome. They immediately want to break into a Bible study, like a Tim LaHaye study. Immediately. It's like, boom, let's do it. And Jesus says, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not a bad question. He doesn't rebuke them for the question. But he says, look, that's not for you to know. That's not the main point right now. That's going to come. Jesus, the end time, the restoration of the kingdom, all that's going to happen. But that's not our main focus right now. And then in verse 8 he gives them their mission. But let's skip that just for a minute and jump down to verse 9. Verse 9 says, "And when he had said these things, as they were looking up, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, "Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven?" This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So, in verses 9-11, through 11, Jesus ascends up into heaven, which had to be the most amazing sight ever. Right? They're talking to him, and he just starts lifting up. Well, it's like a balloon, right? You let a balloon go. and a, your, your kids ever do that? Let a balloon go, and they just stand there and watch it go up? It's exactly what it was. Like they're standing and just watch him go up. Peter was like, we should have tied a string to him or something. I don't know. Like he just... So he's lifting up into heaven, and they're staring for who knows how long, long enough where God was like, we've got we to send a couple of angels down, right? So they're staring into heaven long enough where angels have to come down and go, hey, hey, listen, he, he's going to come back in the same way, like he's going to come back. Let's, let's, let's focus back in on mission here now. And I think it's interesting, in verses 6 and 7, in the verses 9 through 11, what you see are the disciples being distracted. Tell us about the kingdom. Tell us about when you're going to return. Tell us about how it's all going to come together. Now, those are very important topics. But in the process of that, they were doing the same thing we do. Getting so focused on ancillary side project issues, they were missing the mission. What is the mission? Verse 8. But... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. All right, so two big ideas we get from verse 8. Big idea number one, God is saving people from across the street and around the world. Right, he's saving people. You see that right here, right? Your spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to have power to be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Jerusalem was the city they were in at that moment. Judea was the larger kind of area. Think Fayetteville, North Carolina. Jerusalem, Judea, going to the larger area. Samaria is the larger area north of that. Not only a different area, but different kinds of people. People who were outcasts. People who who, um, were the dregs of society. People who no one cared about. So you're going to go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the way to the ends of the earth. So big idea number one, God is saving people from across the street and around the world. And big idea number two, God's plan for doing this is to fill his people with his spirit to be his witnesses. Right? You see both of those things very clearly there in verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to receive power. You're going to be my witness. You're going to advance this gospel mission. Right? You see those two things, right? That's not difficult to see. We can see that. Here's my question for us today, though. If it's so obvious in Acts 1-8 that this is the plan of God, right? Two things are happening in Acts 1-8. One, it's the Breakdown for the rest of Acts. We're going to see that throughout Acts. They're going to take the gospel in Jerusalem, then we're going to see them take it to Judea, then we're going to see them take it to Samaria, then we're going to see them take it to the ends of the earth, right? It's the breakdown of the book, but it's also the game plan for your life and mission. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit to take the gospel across the streets, to your school, to your work, and around the world. And how you're going to do that is by being a spirit-empowered witness of God. So if it's clear in Acts 1-8 that that is what God is telling us, my question is, why don't we do it? And that's where we're going to kind of drill down in for a couple of minutes here. That we're being called to do that, that it's God's desire to save people from around the world, and that his means to accomplish that is through us being his spirit and power witnesses. If that is obvious that that's there in Acts 1 8, why don't we do it? Why isn't the church in greater droves seeing the mission of God advanced around the world? Uh, some would say we need better methods. We need better methods, better technology. That's what we need. We need a a better social media plan. We need need better methods, and then we can reach the world. Well, we're going to see in Acts that the first church had no methods. They were just people filled with the Spirit of God, and they turned the world upside down. So, well, we need more Bible studies. If we just knew more about the Bible, then we would. Well, that's not true either. The scribes and Pharisees knew more of the Bible than anyone, and they didn't follow Jesus. They killed him. Well, we need to experience the miracles. That's the difference. That's it right there. Acts, you're going to see miracle and miracle and miracle and miracle. We don't see those happening. That's why if we just saw those, then we would be about the mission. That's not true either. You realize Almost 100%, almost 100% of the people who were personally healed by Jesus never followed him as Lord. Never followed him as Lord. Almost all of them. For three years, he did miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. We're going to see next week in Acts chapter 1, you know how many people at the end of it all actually still followed him? 120. 120. You see the people of Israel walking through dry ground, Red Sea, right? Red Sea parts that walk across on dry ground. One of the greatest miracles ever recorded. You would think, man, that's got to really push them forward. A month later, they're worshiping a golden calf and having an orgy. Right? The greatest miracle of all time sustained them for about three and a half weeks. That's not the answer. Well, we just need more commitment. That's the problem, Pastor. You need to do a 17-part series on commitment. And if people were more committed like we used to be back in the day, then we're going to be all right. I honestly don't think there's a single person in the world that has a commitment problem. No one has a commitment problem. Everyone is committed to exactly what they want to be committed to. Yeah? It's not that people aren't committed you are just committed to different stuff. Right? You got some guy, oh, I really like him, but he's just got commitment issues. He, he, no, he doesn't. He's got no problem committing to his career. He's got no problem committing to hanging out with his boys every weekend. He just doesn't want to commit to you. That one's for free. I don't know who that one's for. It's not that people aren't committed to the church. It's not that they can't commit to the church. They're just committed to other stuff. They're committed to 70-hour work weeks. They're committed to keeping their weekends open because they work really, really, really hard. They're committed to lugging their kid to every travel ball tournament in the southeast because they're going to prove they're not the bum their old man was. It's not that we're not committed. It's not that we can't commit. It's committed to other stuff. So then what is the issue? Why don't we, as a general rule, look at Acts 1-8 and say, yes, here we go. The Spirit-empowered witnesses of God pushing forward the mission of Jesus Christ. Why don't we do it? I think the answer is this. I think the real issue is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ has not fully and completely changed us. We're not... Absolutely 100% fully immersed and overwhelmed by the glory and majesty of Jesus Christ. The early church gave up property, gave up freedom, gave up their lives. They gladly put themselves in any situation, in any peril, in any circumstance. Why? Because they were absolutely convinced that their only true joy came from Jesus. And if that means this life burned, then this life burned and I just get to be with him quicker. They were absolutely, 100% overwhelmed with the glory of Jesus Christ. That is what drove them. The answer was not they needed better methods. It was not they needed better teaching. It was not they needed more Bible studies. And it was not they needed to be more committed. They were so overwhelmed with the glory, majesty, beauty, power of Jesus Christ, they freely, totally, threw everything down on him and say you have my life my everything my all take it it's yours that that's going to be the key that's going to be the difference look again at acts 1 8 if you have that what does he say but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Let's chat just for a second about the Holy Spirit. So, we're going to talk uh, about the Holy Spirit a lot throughout the book of Acts. We're going to be mentioning him and talking about his work. Uh, few things freak people out or divide the church as much as the person and work of the Holy Spirit. All right? Some of you, how many of you grew up in kind of more traditional Southern Baptist churches and um, if you kind of look back on it, you realize we were more comfortable with the Trinity being Father, Son, and Holy Bible, right? We talked about the Holy Spirit, but we tried really hard to keep him not weird. And then how many of you grew up in, in like charismatic Pentecostal churches? Raise your hand. I know you want to raise your hand. It's what you do. Right? right? Go ahead and lift them both. Woo! Right? Do it. That's what you do. A lot of charismatic churches flip. So, so what we do is we, we take the Holy Spirit and we separate him from the Trinity. And we either try to subjugate him and push him down or lift him up in a place that he's never supposed to have been in the first place. Right? And, we, and so for a lot of charismatic churches, they're like, you know, the game's tonight. Somebody's going to call you up say, hey, you want to come over and hang out and watch the game with us? You're going to say, who's going to be there? you are going to start lifting people off. And you know if they get to Bob, you're like, yeah, I'm going go with Bob. We're going to have fun. And that's how a lot of charismatic churches treat the Holy Spirit. Like, Holy Spirit's here. Woo, it's a party now. And what we're doing is we're separating him off from the Trinity. Jesus says in John 14, you know the purpose of the Holy Spirit? To lift up and glorify and make much of Jesus. As Jesus is lifted up and glorified and made much of and treasured in our life, we're going to be filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. And where the Holy Spirit is working, Jesus is going to be glorified and made much of. He is going to be the focus, not me, not an activity, not a thing, not flopping on the ground like a fish. Jesus. This is how it comes together. As Jesus is glorified and made much of, as Jesus is treasured in my heart above everything in this world, I am filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit to go tell everybody I come in contact with about the greatest treasure I can ever imagine. Is this making sense? As you see Jesus and glorify Jesus and have the eyes of your heart open to treasure more of Jesus, then you're going to be empowered. Then you're going to be filled. And then you are going to fly forward for the mission of Christ. When you see how glorious, how gracious, how amazing, how kind, how awesome he is, you can't help but share. Uh, Jerry Falwell Sr., who... Started Liberty University about 30, 35 years ago. There's a little boy in his neighborhood, and he's outside playing baseball by himself, right? Throwing a ball up and hitting it in the backyard, right? Throwing a ball up, hitting it in the backyard, pretending he's a baseball player. And he throws it up, and he accidentally gets a really good hit. And that thing sails. And at first he's thinking, home run! And it goes over his fence and over the neighbor's yard. And into the next guy's house, right through the living room window. And immediately he's thinking, So, this is how I die, right? This is it, right here. This is it. I'm dead. It's over. So he goes very sheepishly down to that house, knocks on the door. The door opens, and it is Dr. Jerry Falwell standing in the doorway holding a baseball. And the little boy, with tears in his eyes, starts to say, Sir, I'm so sorry. That was me. It was a mistake. I didn't mean to. I'm really, 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 really sorry. I'll do whatever I have to do to fix the window. I'll cut your grouse. and do whatever I have to do. And Jerry Falwell took that baseball, went over to his desk, grabbed a pen, and on the baseball wrote, full four-year scholarship to Liberty University. Handed it to the little boy and said, Go give that to your mom and dad. Why do we know that story 35 years later? Because that family was so overwhelmed by the generosity of that man, they haven't stopped telling people. Does that make sense? They are so overwhelmed by a man showing them that kind of grace and mercy and generosity, they're telling everybody. They're working to get into every conversation. You see, my son, he graduated from Liberty. You want to hear how that happened? And the point, brothers and sisters, is when we become more, when when the eyes of our hearts are opened to see Jesus, and to be more in love with Jesus, and be more overwhelmed with Jesus, being spirit-empowered witnesses is not going to be something we have to try to figure out. Which is why we began Our time, praying for one another, Ephesians 1, 16 through 18. Think about that verse one more time as our band comes up. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom, and have revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We have been given a great and glorious and overwhelming mission. The only way we're going to be able to fulfill that mission is if we're filled and empowered with the Spirit of God. The only way we're going to be filled and empowered with the Spirit of God is if we are glorifying, treasuring, making much of Jesus in our own life. And the only way we're going to glorify, treasure, make much of Jesus in our own life is if the eyes of our hearts are open to see who Jesus really is. Man, as we see him for who he really is, we can't stop. So i ask if we just bow our heads just for a moment. The big prayer today is not that you would be a better witness. The big prayer today is not that you would be a better church member. The big prayer today is not that you would go on a mission trip. None of those things. If we try to fix that stuff, that's just us putting the proverbial band-aid on a broken leg, the real issue is do we treasure Jesus so deeply in our hearts that just like that first church, we would do anything, go anywhere, put ourselves in any situation to further his mission. As our band leads us, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. going to sing about God's blessing over us, God's grace and mercy over us, God's love that he showers on us. And as we're singing that, my prayer for you is that you become, the eyes of your heart become more and more and more and more and more open to the glory of Jesus Christ. And as you see him, you pursue him. And as you pursue him, you further his mission. Jesus, do this in us today for your glory. In your name, amen. Let's stand, everyone. Let's worship the Lord together.
0: His favor be upon you and a thousand generations in your family and your children and their children and their children. His favor be upon you and a thousand generations in your family and your children and their children and their children. All before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning
1: take just a moment here I want to encourage you just to kind of sit here in the presence of the Lord and let him allow the Holy Spirit to again open up the eyes of your heart and see who he really is he is a gracious merciful loving glorious God he is for you he sent his son to, to, to break down all that separates you and him send his Holy Spirit to fill you and empower you, to to convince you and to show you and prove to you that you are indeed a son and daughter of God. To pour God's love into your hearts so you can be gifted and empowered to bring much glory and honor to him. God, we thank you for your blessings on us, your people. I pray God today over us, Lord, that, that all throughout this room, God, spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who you are is creeping into our souls, that the eyes of our hearts are being opened to see you, God, for who you really are, and as we see you for who you really are, Lord, we are growing deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in love with you, Jesus becoming more and more and more just overwhelmed beyond words for your grace and power and majesty and work in our lives. God, and as this is happening, Acts 1-8 being called on this mission is going to happen more and more and more in us, in our lives, in our churches, in our families. Thank you, Lord God. Do this in us. Thank you. Pray your blessings over us, your people. All week long this week, I pray, God, that you would continue to be speaking to our hearts. and Let us grow deeper and deeper and deeper in love of you, Jesus. Thank you. We pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. My wife, Marie, and I will be down front here if you'd like to come by and say hello, introduce yourself. We love you. Have a great week.